the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. 505 and a good afternoon to you. Welcome. It is Thursday already. My goodness, the time flies, doesn't it? We are not quite halfway through the first month of the new year. Absolutely astonishing how time certainly flies. Although, we kick off the program tonight, I want to set a proper perspective here that for a lot of us who have just come through enjoying the holidays, we've spent time together with family. Well, maybe that doesn't always go so pleasant, but you, you tried your best, right? Uncle Charlie is what he is, after all. But we spent time with family. We've celebrated the birth of our Savior. We gathered together and enjoyed some wonderful meals. And uh, then by the time we reached the beginning of the year, the rains came. But we thought, we're okay. We're safe. We're warm in our homes. And um, while it might be storming out, Outside, we're so glad to be indoors. California, Northern California in specific, has been through, as we all have experienced, an unprecedented uh, weather event. I, I've lived in this state my entire life. I recall nothing along this level whatsoever. Yes, we've had times of drought and times of flooding, but never sustained weather such as we have been seeing since. December the 31st, and it's not over yet. Today, a nice respite, the balance of the week, in through the weekend, into next week. You can guess what the forecast will be. I'll tell you in one word, rain. If you're warm and dry and indoors, not so bad. Driving in it, not so exciting, but you'll be okay. But imagine the Bay Area's homeless. Thousands. In fact, some of the guesstimates, and I use the word guesstimate intentionally because it's hard to get an accurate count, upwards of thirty-five to 40,000 people who call the Bay Area home, but more specifically the Bay Area streets home. Imagine how they've been faring through this horrific cold and rain. Well, we had an update as Bram Begonia joins us. He, of course, is the um, president and CEO of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Bram, Happy New Year to you, and thank you so much for carving some time out of your schedule to be with us this evening. Craig, Happy New Year. It's great to be with you. Uh, I can imagine that these have been some incredibly busy days around the Bay Area Rescue Mission, not just because you've come through the holiday season where um, annually the Bay Area Rescue Mission feeds literally tens of thousands of meals to needy individuals, to uh, families that are struggling financially. And you do that, of course, 12 months out of the year, but a special emphasis to go above and beyond during 
uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. But then, just as you thought, you're kind of through the the height of the holidays. In comes this terrible weather, and I I just you know I, yeah I'm I'm I look out the window some days and I think to myself I'm glad I'm in here and I can't imagine what it must be out. What it must be like for people that have to live out there. Give us a bit of a sense as to what has been going on and and how the Bay Area Rescue Mission has been dealing with this, because I've got to believe there have been a significant increase of people at your door saying, you know, I can deal with the cold, but I just can't deal with the rain. Yeah, in these times, Craig, and it never it never ceases to surprise us because we know when there's inclement weather and it starts to rain that we're going to see an influx. But I think it surprises a lot of people. Like, what are we going to do? We have emergency meetings and county and government calls, and how can you help? And are your doors open? And we're always prepared and ready to serve. But I, I'm kind of surprised how it kind of surprises others. We are we do it every day, so it doesn't surprise us. But Man, when you are talking about people who are living against the riverbanks at the creeks and those water levels rising very quickly, uh, we are ready to serve them. And I'm I'm happy to report that um, when you when the service providers are out there, the county and others, and uh, all of our sister organizations who help us, uh, we are the top. Uh, of their tongue to refer people to the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Most of the emergency shelters were already filled and uh, thank the Lord that we do have space at the Bay Area Rescue Mission because we make space. Uh, We put out the extra cots. We put the cots in our dining room in the West Wing and we take in more women and children and men who are needing assistance to get out of the rain. And that's our greatest opportunity to be with them in this in this most difficult time and when they really need help and they just say i can't i can't take it anymore it's too cold it's too wet and that's the time that we're ready to serve and this is you know of course as we mentioned the bay area rescue mission does this 12 months out of the year so so providing shelter in out of the dark out of the cold is something that is job number one and has been since 1965 but i would imagine now looking at what we've seen where there's been a respite here and there like today generally um, cloud-free skies that won't be the case again tomorrow uh, when you combine the the non-stop rain that as we've seen from the horrific flooding from uh, Monterey and the Santa Cruz Mountains up into Sonoma and this just goes on incessantly and couple the rain with the cold this is really life-threatening weather isn't it? It's, it's not only life-threatening. I mean, it's the lightning, the thunderstorm, but you're talking about what's changed between 1965 and now, the demographic of an unhoused or a homeless person. You know, it might have been that older adult Caucasian male before 1965. That's very far from what we're seeing now. I mean, we have full mothers, uh, single women with children who are living in their cars or living underneath an encampment. Um, we have working people, men and women, hardworking people that have jobs, that are just living out there, uh, living uh, on the on the BART at night to take a rest before they go back to work in the morning. We have hardworking people that are trying to get their lives together, who aren't just chronic homeless and out there on the streets. And again, uh, when you come down to the rescue mission, you meet these people, you're going to see that uh, the demographics of who we serve look exactly like everyone who's listening. It looks like their neighbor. Well, and I was supposed to... That's the sad part. Yeah, yeah, that's the sad part of it. 
And I would suppose, too, Bram, the, the other aspect that's changed here dramatically since the Bay Area Rescue Mission was first founded back in 1965 is that we seem to be, of recent years, in sort of a nonstop crisis, be it a water crisis with the drought that seems to largely uh, perhaps soon be behind us, but energy pride crisis with the cost of everything from gasoline to um, home fuel, heating fuel, things of that sort, health crisis with COVID. And then we have seen in recent years a growing housing crisis. And it's not just been a lack of housing to meet the needs of folks that call the greater Bay Area home, but then coupled with that, with the spike in inflation and the fact that California has always been a very desirable state to live in, and as a result, everybody wants to be here, and as a result, huge demand means higher than average prices, that the housing crisis also consists of not just the lack of housing, but for more and more growing numbers of friends and neighbors and folks that we go to church with, and maybe even family members, that a big dynamic of this housing crisis is just simple housing affordability. And, you know, when the landlord says, I need 3000 a month, and your checkbook says, I can give you two, it doesn't take a mathematician expert to quickly determine something's got to give here. And sadly, what ends up giving for growing numbers of Bay Areans is they make do. They couch surf. They, they maybe even stay in a, in a relative's uh, garage, if need be, to find some kind of shelter. And when they, when they wear out their welcome, uh, they find themselves on the street. And, and that's a, a real tragic set of circumstances. And, and the kind of crisis that, quite frankly, is not going to be resolved uh, very easily or anytime soon. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because what I think people forget is all of this is connected. Uh, being unhoused or homeless is not a separate thing. And that pressure in itself, when you're saying when you can't afford or you have to choose between groceries or medical bills and all that, when it puts pressure on mom and dad and it causes domestic violence issues or it causes right uh, another issue to take place or it causes uh, dependency upon alcohol or crystal meth and then you have functioning addicts and all of it is related then you have the issues with the kids or not going to school or you have developmental issues and so it's all really related to all those pressures of life kind of combining and hitting at once and we see a we see all of that taking place and unfolding when we take people in when they're at their lowest point or if they're just uh, you know they can't find another hit or or a needle and they or they've just said no, i'm not going to do it i'm going to try to go cold turkey today and i'm not going to take another sip of alcohol or if a mom and her kids are getting away from a domestic violence situation all that's taking place in front of us on top of covid still happening <laughs> and having to serve in a storm and it's all happening and you really have to kind of just handle one issue at a time you know we have a loving staff and a loving team who's been there done that a lot of our staff have lived experience and can empathize and they've been in the shoes of the people that we serve and it's really a beautiful thing but to be there at that moment when somebody's at their lowest is the key and you see that a lot when um you know there was that uh that news article that came out and that video of that owner who was spraying down somebody on the sidewalk i mean that's there's a lot of things that you could talk about in just that one thing and and really 
how, why is that happening in the first place? Well, and I want to get to that in a moment, Bram, because you, you bring up a very important point that I, it, I think it's demonstrative of, well, several things. Number one, a, a growing sense of frustration, undoubtedly, but, but also you used a moment ago the word empathy, and that seems to be kind of be on the endangered species these days, that you know it, we sometimes as Bay Areans and Californians like to pride ourselves on a sense of tolerance, uh, but that only goes so far. But 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 empathy, and 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 particularly from a Christian compassion standpoint, um, it, it seems to be on a ever decreasing amount. And and sadly, if there's anything we need right now in this set of circumstances, it is empathy. One of the things I love about the Bay Area Rescue Mission is not only the ability to connect and show empathy, but also an organization that is solutions oriented. It's one thing to say, well, you're you're unhoused. Let's put a roof over your head. Okay, problem solved. No, because you need to dig down into the question as to, well, what happened in the first place? Did you lose your job because you went through a terrible experience? Maybe you lost a parent or a loved one and you turned to alcohol as a way of numbing the pain and that eventually led to the loss of a job that forced you to become homeless? Are you perhaps somebody that uh, just never really had a, a, a solid educational opportunity and you've done the best that you can, but on a high school level education, you just can't earn enough to care for your family and you struggle to get along and, you know, sometimes there are just more uh, months than there is money. All these sets of circumstances, up to and including the woman who who thought she married Mr. Right and Mr. Right turns out to be Mr. Wrong and now it's an abusive situation and she is trying to escape a situation that is physically or, or, or emotionally abusive for the sake of herself and her children and has nowhere to go to. The Bay Area Rescue Mission is solution-oriented in looking at all of these problems and saying, what can be done to help these individuals break that cycle of low income, of dependence upon alcohol or other substances or even the cycle of abuse and be able to get a fresh start in life so that we now take people from being statistics to becoming victors and overcomers and stories of of overcoming and change lives. And at the end of the day, that really is what the Bay Area Rescue Mission is all about in demonstrating that love without limits. And right now, there are a lot of our friends and neighbors in the Bay Area that uh, that need to see some love. Bram Begonia mentioned a moment ago a story out of San Francisco that's been hitting the news, and I want to spend a moment talking about that uh, when we come back after the break. Meanwhile, I would be amiss if I didn't mention, as you look at the current weather crisis, knowing that more and more people are out of necessity and desperation showing up at the doors of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Uh, maybe over the course of the holidays, you got busy, you thought you wanted to give and had every intention of going online and calling and doing that, but you just just somehow time slipped away from you. Well, now is a good time to go to bayarearescue.org and give a gift to support this ministry. Uh, they are working diligently to make sure that every person who comes to the doors of the Bay Area Rescue Mission, particularly during this horrible weather crisis, are not turned away. But of course, to provide the shelter, the heat, the lights, the food, the clothing, the counseling, and everything else that's necessary 
it's got to do with your help. That's the only way it's going to happen. So go to the Bay Area Rescue Mission's website, bayarearescue.org, and give your gift today. We mentioned that story of a shopkeeper in San Francisco who had a unusual, albeit some might argue inhumane way of addressing his own concerns over the homeless crisis. We'll talk about that when our conversation with the CEO and president of the Bay Area Rescue Mission, Brian Begonia, continues in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Remarkably, in the city of Tolerance, the owner of a San Francisco art gallery is being showered with scorn after he was caught on video spraying a homeless woman with a garden hose. The footage demonstrates that the owner, matter-of-factly, what other term can I use, but hosed down the woman, later identified as Cora. San Francisco Art Gallery owner Collier Gwynn says he doused a homeless woman with a hose because he's frustrated that authorities haven't been able to do anything. And apparently, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm to, to the degree to which homeless individuals that hang out in front of stores defecate, create other problems, must be extremely frustrating to local merchants. But, wow, hosing down a person in the dead of winter on a public sidewalk in San Francisco as a means of taking out your frustration. Demonstrative that um, we've got some growing up to do. There's no doubt about that. And if you look at these issues and say, well, somebody needs to do something, maybe it's time we look in the mirror. Bram Agoni is with me. He is the CEO and president of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. And, and, and Bram, I've got to believe that you were heart-sickened uh, to see that video or he- read that story as I was. I mean, it, it's shocking. I, and, and, I, and I know that there are a lot of folks in the Bay Area that look at the, the housing crisis and look at the issue of homelessness and say somebody needs to do something about this. But the fact of the matter is this is not a job for one group, one agency, one government, one city. It it really is a challenge presented to all of us, isn't it? It is. And that Cora is somebody's uh, daughter, possibly sister or a mother. And Cora, when she's being hosed down on that sidewalk is being treated as if she's uh, a rock to be, you know, a a piece of grass, uh, you name it, a piece of trash, just to get off the sidewalk. So, again, Craig, if that was your mother or my mother or my sister, or that we wouldn't expect that treatment of them, but it's really hard when you become immune to it, when you see it every day and you start taking the the person... Uh, treating them like an inanimate object, and that's what's happening. And we're on your station, we can, and the listeners of this show understand that we really are, we wouldn't treat Christ like that, right? And that's the beauty of when we see people graduate from our program, come in and have their lives transformed, um, the joy that they have, there is still a person behind the mental illness, behind all that's going on, and you can really become numb to that when the crisis is so overwhelming. You say 34, 35, 40,000 homeless people. It just seems so overwhelming. But it really does come down to that one person, Cora, in that moment. Uh, 
is really representing our opportunity to serve Christ. And I think looking at that individual and saying questions related to mental health issues, substance abuse issues, all of that notwithstanding, that's still a person for whom Christ died. And you're right. If, if you substitute that happening to your mother, your sister, your daughter, it's even more shocking and demonstrative of a little bit of a, you know, our, our humanity is kind, kind of dying inch by inch by inch here. But I think, you know, when we, when we see this situation, we recognize there's a crisis. And, yes, somebody needs to do something. But, you know, you can do as the shop owner did and get angry, or you can do the appropriate thing, the one thing that will, in fact, begin to improve circumstances, and that is to get involved. So don't get angry. Get involved and make a difference. Bay Area Rescue Mission um, is available to help put uh, a means, a vehicle by which you can get involved and make a difference. Now, perhaps you're not going to go, you know, down into the Tenderloin or or, uh, wherever homeless might gather in your community and, and make sandwiches, though you certainly could. You may not necessarily open up your home for someone who needs shelter or a, a mother and child that are escaping a domestic abuse circumstance to to come and, and stay in your, your home, although you certainly could under the right circumstances. But I tell you one thing you could do, and that is to pray for ministries like the Bay Area Rescue Mission and get involved. Maybe you go out and volunteer a few hours a week. Maybe you pick up the phone and say, hey, I'd like to bring a group from my church down and just see what we can do to maybe run a Sunday service or um, even go on the website and say, let me, let me provide some, some resources so that you can buy the food, pay the bills, get the lights going, and, and make sure the doors are open is that when we do have these weather circumstances in particular, that no one is turned away. So I want to urge you, um, when you see things like this, you, you, you should be outraged, as I certainly was. I hope and pray that your outrage is turned to action. And that you don't get angry, but instead you get involved and support the work and ministry of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Information available online at bayarearescue.org. That's bayarearescue.org. I would imagine, Bram, it's going to be uh, several more busy weeks here as we're seeing uh, more rain predicted not only into the balance of this week, but even next week. And uh, we'll, we'll certainly be praying for you and the entire team there. I know it's, it's, it's added stress and responsibility, but we are so grateful that the Bay Area Rescue Mission is there and available to help people get a fresh start on life. And for those that are facing emergency circumstances where they just are trying to get in out from the cold and, and the rain, that your doors are open. So God bless you, and you guys keep up the good work. And thank you for having us, and we just want to thank you and everyone who is moved to action, who have sent in checks and come down to volunteer uh, we really can use all the support and need the help, and we're so thankful when that happens. So thank you, Craig, and thank you to everyone that helps us out. We really uh, do appreciate it. And God's blessing, we trust him to provide, and he continues to show himself strong. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you. This is Bram Begonia, CEO and President of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Don't get angry. Get involved. More information available on the web at bayarearescue.org. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back. We're at uh, 534 here on this uh, Thursday edition of Lifeline. Christmas season, undoubtedly you got some gifts, bought some gifts for the kids. Maybe the wife got you a honeydew project <laughs> to work on. Undoubtedly that new table or bookshelf from Ikea came with a manual. And perhaps missing a few screws. <laughs> or the new car that you bought. That came with a manual, too. Even your new computer or laptop. Well, there's an online manual for that, too, if you can find it. But my point is, for so much in life, a manual comes along that will give us some insights into how to manage things, how to work things, how to make it function right. I wish that that were the case when it comes to parenting, but ironically enough, uh, really all it takes to be a parent is a mom and a dad, and that's about it. Now, we do, of course, have the benefit of Scripture. Bible tells us to train up a child in the way that he should go and to love and fear the Lord. So there is much within the Bible that helps us in terms of principles for raising a child. But how do you get into some of the the nitty-gritty questions when you've got a child, for example, that is uh, similar to uh, Jim Dobson's strong-willed child? How do you deal with that? How how do you get your child to to do his homework or to properly take care of his or her chores? What happens if your child suddenly begins to push back and becomes violent or verbally abusive, do you know what to do? Many parents are frustrated by these questions, and and the outcome is an increasing number of children that are going through the criminal justice system, the juvenile justice system, and uh, frustrated parents because, quite frankly, they just said, "I, I signed up for this, but I don't remember ever getting a copy of the manual, and I desperately need one. Well, the good news is there is just such a manual available. In fact, a whole course series that will be beginning um, in uh, January here at the end of the month called The Parent Project. And tell us more about it. Our dear friend Vern Tyler, founder of Hosanna Homes and the Hosanna Parent Project. And Vern, great to have you with us and a happy new year to you, my friend. It's always such a pleasure. And I wish you and your listening audience a very joy-filled new year, too. And when we talk about this this topic of parenting, boy, it's it's something that, that ultimately impacts all of us. Because let's face it, if the kid who breaks into your store would have maybe been uh, raised in the proper way, they might not have done something like that. So, you know, it, it's not just a matter of good parenting skills so that mom and dad can be at peace and the family can be at peace. But, you know, if, if you create a happy, productive, stable home life, family unit, it leads to a happy, productive, stable society, and we all benefit. Talk to us a bit about what parenting is, particularly parenting with purpose, which is maybe maybe an odd word because a lot of people <laughs> might look at the way their kids act and think, oh, this seems to be just one big accident here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. I visit in, uh, in the classes. I have many, many parents that that's the reason they come, as they're saying, I'm just bewildered. I don't know where to go. Everything I've tried hasn't worked. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, uh, there is an awful lot of information in parenting out there, but so much of it is worldly. It is not scripturally based. And uh, uh, let me give you a good example. What I find is that I think that most parents uh, assume that arguing is a natural part of a family. Uh, Well, it is part of the natural family, but it should not be part of the spiritual family. 
and actually, we as parents, if we're not careful, uh, we buy into this and we argue with our children. We're setting the example. We're modeling for them. We're encouraging them to argue. And the next thing you know, uh, uh, our children carry that into their adulthood. Uh, they're going to train their children that way. They're going to treat their spouse that way. They're going to uh, be that way at work and with uh, their friends and so on. Not realizing that that is not a uh, a, uh, a spiritual matter of handling things. So one of the things that uh, I focus on perhaps most, I'm going to use two terms here, two words that uh, kind of summarize or, or, or uh, uh, put into perspective what I try to come at parenting uh, and training parents and, and working with their children, and that's number one, respect. Uh, and I think this is a tough one for families because we think that we were raised up with the discipline kind of the punishing kind of environment and uh, uh, so we know nothing better and we're going to use that pattern train up our children that's extremely destructive extremely destructive one of the things that we do uh, with the parent project is teaching you that we as parents do not control our children Humans should not be controlling any other human. We influence them. That's what Jesus did. That was his model. Uh, and uh, that's the model that we need to use. And the other thing is is this, this issue of arguing. Again, we think that it's normal, and it is natural humanistic behavior, but it is not spiritual behavior. Spiritual behavior is we need to teach our children how to appeal, not argue. But appeal, uh, and that's an art. Uh, you've got to work on it. Uh, it's not going to come natural. Uh, but unless we work on it, our children are going to be argumentative, um, and uh, that creates all kinds of ills and social issues and, and uh, um, moral issues and so on and so forth that just we could avoid if we parents understood a little bit more of these issues and uh, the context is spiritually a thing they need to be looked through. And, you know, Vern, to put this in perspective, um, we've had this discussion many times down through the years that it seems like parenting becomes more challenging generation after generation. I mean, for example, uh, when I was raised back in the Stone Age, it wasn't unusual for there to be three generations of family that if they all didn't all live in the same house or on the same block, they at least all lived in the same city. So th- there was the support that the parents had from their parents, from the grandparents. There was connectivity amongst the generations. There was the ability for for the grandparents to speak wisdom and truth into the lives of their grandchildren. Well, largely today in our highly mobile society, that's gone. And grandma and grandpa live, you know, 100 miles away, if not 3,000 miles away. And you're lucky if you see them uh, once a year during uh, Christmas or summer vacation. That's changed. Then you look at the influence of things like media. Boy, you know, when I was a kid, it was turn that TV set off and do your homework. Now you have to worry about the influence of not just the television set, but the cell phone and social media and all of it that in so many ways has complicated modern parenting. So it isn't any wonder that more and more parents 
uh, instead of parenting with purpose, just kind of wing it because it seems like the rules are changing constantly and they've never really had the benefit of being able to, um, to understand what some of these methods are for training up a child. And that, of course, goes to the heart of what the Parent Project is all about. You, you, you really get into some of the nitty-gritty, and I, and I think it, 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 it kind of reads like a laundry list of, of top-level parental frustrations. I mean, for example, just trying to get a child to do their chores, their assigned responsibility, you know, take out the trash, you know, walk the dog, whatever it might be. And uh, in in some households, that becomes a battle royale, doesn't it? Definitely does. And unfortunately, most of us parents, because of our history, our training, we use punishment as a consequence. And that only creates additional issues if you, you know, based on the model. And again, uh, I've uh, the, the, the principles that I'm teaching, uh, as your audience or as well you know, maybe I might summarize a bit for your audience. But Judy, my wife, and I have uh, personally foster parented over 800 teenage boys, and of course we had uh, Hosanna Pathways, Hosanna Homes, the uh, foster agency that served 10 Bay Area counties. And uh, we had hundreds of children uh, go through that. So uh, these uh, uh, principles that I teach and that I use are tried and proven. Uh, And uh, you're absolutely right uh, with the segregated or dispersed family that we have. That certainly doesn't help any. But I think also it confuses us as parents or uh, causes some uh, issues as to our confidence and feeling what we need to do to uh, direct and lead and and, uh, mentor our children in a way that's going to cause them to become uh, socially well-adjusted, spiritually happy, and so on. Uh, It's it's a very, it's a a complex thing, but I see in the modern family, parents are withdrawing from really, I'm not calling supervising their children. That's tragic. That's a formula for tragedy. You leave your our children to pick and choose in the world what's out there, and they're going to pick what nat- what comes natural. And as Scripture tells us, <laughs> natural man is it is it uh, uh, at war with the spiritual man. And we've got to use spiritual principles if we want to have spiritually oriented, spiritually valued, spiritually grounded uh, 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 children. Uh, that's going to use, uh, you know, uh, work in the next generation. Uh, it's a big issue. It's a huge issue, and it's a frightening issue for me as I look at the uh, the parenting today. And unfortunately, I just don't see the church coming forward and doing what I feel they need to do. Uh, I think they're as perplexed with the events and the activities of the world. And you don't want to look like that you're anti, uh, you know, advancement, anti-science, uh, and things of this nature. Uh, and I think uh, parents are are withdrawing when they need to be engaged. And uh, this is a very critical issue, and something again that I forcefully in the teaching that we work on, uh, the issues that we work on, is parents. You've got to become more involved in your children. You've got to supervise them more specifically. Uh, you've got to get away from punishment. You've got to find a way. And 
And one of the things I'm, I'm going to try to summarize in one word, teach our children consequences. Make good choices, you're generally going to have good consequences. You make bad choices, you're going to experience bad consequences. Uh, but once they mess up, or once they disobey, once they disrespect you, whatever the case might be, and then you come back in with punishment, you're alienating that child. Uh, we've got to be very careful with that. And I see, you know, the, I'm going to say the larger segment of our community, even in our church communities, I see children that are alienated. I see them bewildered. If you think it's tough, uh, or if we think it's tough for us as parents, I think it's just as difficult and as challenging for our children today. Well, especially so, I think, Vern, when when there are incidents that happen and a parent, in, 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 instead of reasoning through steps to to help to correct, correct rather behavior, rather out of frustration, lash out in anger, which not only frightens children but alienates them or parents who have very different philosophies and parenting styles and, and have never sat down and, and compared notes about how were you raised and how I was raised and what are your thoughts on approaching these different topics. And now the kids are getting sent mixed messages and dad says one thing and mom says another. And and can't you believe that any astute 13-year-old knows how to play that game as well and figure I'm gonna, if I can't get what I want out of the old man, I'm going to get it out of mom or vice versa. And it creates an environment that not only is an unpleasant environment and a hostile environment, but but ultimately an environment that creates tremendous degrees of resentment. And watch this. The resentment is not just the children resenting the parents, but even as parents, they become resentful of their own children. Vern Tyler is with us today, founder of Hosanna Homes and the Hosanna Parent Project. This brand new 19-week series will begin Sunday the 22nd and will be taking place hosted at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. Details available for you on the web by going to parentproject.com. You'll need to pre-register for the classes, by the way, again at parentproject.com. And let me say this before we go to break. This is open for everybody. Don't think based on some of our conversations so far here this afternoon that it's only for a parent that's having a problematic child. Listen, there are principles that are in place here that will teach you purposeful parenting that can really change the entire dynamic. And and even if you think, well, I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job, could you even be better at it? Maybe by attending this series, you'll learn how. Again, information available as well as online registration at parentproject.com. A brief time out. We'll come back with more of our discussion with Vern Tyler as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Let me ask you a question. Vern Tyler's with us tonight, and um, he's going to be um, conducting another set of uh, classes. Parent Project 19-week class series begins Sunday, January the 22nd, and it will run for 19 consecutive weeks, taking place at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. Information and registration online at parentproject.com. That's parentproject.com. Some Vern listening to our conversation might think, you know, I I get the point that, that Vern is making, but I'm wondering if it's too late because my son, my daughter is already 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 years old. Is, is it ever too late? No, no, it's never too late. Uh, obviously, the longer the habit, the harder it's going to be to correct. Uh, and let me remind parents of another thing, and I 
I always caution the parents when they come to my training. I'm saying uh, you, uh, you're, you're coming to the training because you're hoping that you can change the behavior of your children. But I'm telling you now that when you come to this series, you have to change first if you want to see your children change. Mm. Uh, and usually I see them looking at the door and thinking, maybe I better get out of here. <laughs> uh, when I when I say that, but it's so true. Uh, it, this is going to be a, a challenge, and the longer you wait, this is why I I, I impress her. And I, you know, most people start thinking about these issues when their children are misbehaving. That's way too late, uh, as the Bible tells us: train up a child when they're young, and then I'll depart when they're old. That's why it's so important to, to get these principles into children at the younger age. And I would far rather be teaching and working with these families with their younger children than with the older. Uh, but it's never too late. And, you know, I see a miracle every, with every class. It's just phenomenal the way that the families will come back and, uh, and respond. But um, let me caution again. Consistency has got to happen. Uh, you know, so many times I'll see former students that I had and I'll say how are things going and they'll say it's worse than ever and it's interesting because I'll say why is that what do you think happened and they can right off the bat they will tell me I was not consistent I let things float uh, I didn't want to deal with the issue you know, they'll have all kinds of excuses uh, but this is a risk if we're not going to be consistent, and this is true with any of our faith walk activity, if we're not going to be consistent, we're not going to be stay at the static. We're either going to be going forward or we're going to be falling back. And the principles with parenting, uh, these principles, by the way, aren't just with parenting. They're with spousal relationships, with neighborly relationships, with employment relationships. You understand these principles, and you're going to see life taking <laughs> A significant change and a, a joy that comes out of it, but that doesn't mean you can kick back and lay back and think, "Oh, once I uh, these these things are going to be automatic." No, no, that's not what the Bible teaches us. Once we start applying these principles, Satan, the world, uh, they're going to be warring against us. Uh, we've got to stay vigilant. We can't um, fall back and rest on our laurels. But. Uh, uh, every age is important, and I could give you testimonies and <laughs> refer people to many, many, many that have had older children. Uh, but generally, it's more painful with the older kids, and they're going to definitely push back because they've been trained for, take your, take your age, 12, 16, 17 years. They've been trained to be who they are, and now you're going to retrain uh, that's difficult to retrain the brain like that because the brain, uh, the brain uh, becomes uh, very habitual. And uh, if we don't, uh, uh, or if we attempt to change that, those activities that the brain have been used to, there's going to be a huge resistance from the brain itself. Okay, it's a very very complex thing, but worth worth fighting for. I mean the joy to see parents find the comfort. Let me just suggest something else here which may kind of ring a bell, a couple of things. Number one, when we were kids, Craig, and we saw our parents argue, what did that make us feel like? Horrible. Terrible. But absolutely, it causes us to have a heartache, in fact. 
but yet we will do that not realizing the damage and what we're doing to our children by the very act that we're doing it is saying we we uh, condone such behavior and so that's all the more confusing for our children we tell them not to be mean not to be argumentative uh, to be obedient but yet we're we're being disrespectful in a way to them and mentoring them in the very behavior you all want them to be doing uh, but we don't realize we're doing it well and i think Vern, that that really takes us back to to the core principle that you mentioned a little bit earlier and 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 uh, you know fundamentally i'm sure many many parents that are dealing with strong-willed child problematic children um would say i, I just I, I can't control them and so the desire is to control them but the key is to recognize at the end of the day you can't control them but you know what you can control you your reactions your interaction your parenting style, your dialogue, your manner of engagement, all those things are 100% within your control if you just knew exactly how to kind of crowd that all in together and what the right methodology ought to be when it comes to dealing with a child who refuses to do homework or doesn't want to do their chores or has gotten involved with the wrong crowd or maybe has become even lashed out at you and become violent or verbally abusive in response to your parenting style and you think it's my child my child my child but have you ever considered the fact that it might just simply be your parenting style or lack thereof this 19 week series can help provide you in a very fundamental basic way knowledge of what you need to know for any parent who wants to develop parenting skills to avoid potential future challenges while at the same time Preparing for those inevitable future challenges. 19-week series begins Sunday the 22nd, so you've got time here to uh, to go online, get more information. Registration is necessary. Go to parentproject.com. That's parentproject.com. It'll be hosted at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. Details at redwoodchapel.org. As always, we really appreciate Vern Tyler and uh, the work that he and his wife Judy, uh, Judy have done down through the years. Vern, thank you so much for the update. We'll get a chance, hopefully, to talk to you again real soon. Get information, get signed up, and get out there and learn how to become an effective parent. Online at parentproject.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.